0: Hey, good people, how we doing? Look, I always say this, in order to do good, you gotta be good. In order to be a blessing to other people, we first have to be blessings to ourselves. And the number one way that we do that is through health. And not just physical health, but mental health as well. This is why I have such great joy in introducing who we have here today. We have a mindfulness coach and someone let me tell you, I I zoned off during this conversation, not out of boredom, but out of just pure relaxation and pure just feeling so light. The conversation just put me. Oh, it's ineffable at this point. And she automatically turned into one of my favorite people. Right? So Without any further ado, let's get into this episode. Peace. Hey, good people. How we doing? So we have someone really special here today joining us for the conversation. Uh, We have Trina Markison. Um, Trina and I met through social media, um, a lot of um, mental health circle. So I want you quickly to talk about uh, what you do specifically, Trina, in the world of mental health.
1: Okay, great. Thanks, Kyle. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Thanks for asking me to be part of your podcast and really to share the message of mental health with more people. I think now more than ever, it's needed and we need to be having these conversations. So um, again, thank you for including me in this. I am a mindfulness coach and I'm also a certified EFT practitioner. Now my real career was a classroom teacher and so I have over 20 years of classroom experience teaching uh, mostly little ones but um, I do a lot of work right now especially in high schools and so um, that's kind of been a little bit more of a passion of mine to be able to incorporate all that I teach and the skills that I teach right into the school system so that kids can grow up with these tools And then as they become adults, they can carry these tools on. And oh my goodness, I can't even imagine the mental health of the next generation if we start these tools early.
0: Yeah, I wanna unpack uh, first and foremost, I mean, you said so much just in that initial statement, but I wanna first go back to the idea of a mindfulness coach. It's such an interesting concept. Unpack that a little bit, what does that mean? (laughs) Well,
1: I actually got into mindfulness about 20 years ago as a means for my own stress reduction so as a mindfulness coach what I do is I teach people how to live in the present moment yeah you
0: now yeah. You know.
1: yeah so I got into it about 20 years ago because I went through anxiety and depression <laughs> and it was shortly after my twin sons were born who are they're now 19 so um, it was shortly after they were born and I I was I was that person who didn't want to ask for help. So when people get me out with my kids, you know, when I was that busy mom with two little babies, I would say, "Oh no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I got this." And also growing up I was a bit of a perfectionist and and I wanted everything to be just so, and I was also a very busy person. So I was a busy child. I was involved in a lot of different things, didn't have a lot of downtime. Uh, Busyness was almost seen as a badge of honor that people wore. And it's like, you know, those, those three things of being a perfectionist, being busy and not being able to take help, those three were almost like the perfect storm as I grew up and then became that mom. And then I went through anxiety and depression. It just hit really fast. I remember about 15 minutes after my first panic attack, I was in the doctor's office. And I remember saying to her, I think I'm having a heart attack. I I need tests, I need tests. And she said to me, Trina, I think I know what you need. And she grabbed a prescription pad and she wrote out a a prescription for an antidepressant. And she handed it to me and said, take this. You're probably gonna need it for a long time. Just take it, it's gonna help you. Wow.
0: I wonder, um, we had someone on the uh, show last night actually that spoke also about uh, mental health from a patient aspect Um, and she spoke about the struggle that comes from people not fully understanding um the plight of a person that is going through mental health issues right um i know a lot um in, in my community it's still very stigmatized and still attached to being crazy and Um, not a lot of people believe in, um, the mental health, uh, they call it a hype, right? So as a coach, how do you get people comfortable with the idea of accepting that it is something that has to do with mental health and not something that's quote unquote crazy or, uh, something that they should be ashamed of?
1: absolutely well i try to explain to people that first of all it's an illness right it's 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 really an illness and secondly that we do have control over how we feel that that we are going through this for a reason right that we we learn through those tough times i know looking back at what i went through it was like nope no nope, i'm 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 not going to take the antidepressants and, and I'm not going to go that way. And I struggled for a very long time because it was that pushing away and pretending it wasn't happening. And you know, the more you push away, the more it shows itself. Yeah, Always there to teach us something. And so when I'm talking with someone, I, I worked not too long ago, actually it was a couple of years ago with someone who was going through anxiety and depression And, and the first thing I said to her, she walked through the door and she said, I just got a, I just had a, an appointment with the doctor and they told me I was severely depressed. And just given that label of being severely depressed, she thought she was just a little depressed and it was like, you're severely depressed. Ooh, just that label added another layer of suffering onto everything she was going through. And so for me, when I, when I speak with someone or to a group of people, it's that, that to get rid of the stigma, to understand that it is an illness, it can be overcome, it's there to teach us something. And for the more we talk about it, I think the more people are being more accepting and understanding that it's not a choice and it's something that we don't have to be embarrassed about either.
0: Yeah, it's so important, uh, the idea of communication, um, talking about it and getting it out in the open. I wonder, since you said an immediate connection, because my mom uh, is still a teacher and um, in the younger grades, uh, and she often talks about the, how hard it is to um, kind of inform children about mental health issues, especially when the parents aren't informed about mental health issues. So in your tenure uh, of teaching, how have you kind of worked in those conversations with children?
1: Well, for me, having that mental health routine was a normal part of our classroom routine. It was every day we had three specific periods in the day and it was literally just a couple of minutes where we can use that time to relax and so our body gets to really know that relaxation response so that we can train our brain to stay in the present moment by building focus now a lot of people say um you know well i practice mindfulness to feel calmer Well, that's a side effect of practicing mindfulness. But the main reason that we practice is that we train our brain to pay attention. Now, I don't know about you, Kyle, but when I was going to school, I used to hear a lot of people say, Trina, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Everybody expected me how to pay attention, but nobody ever showed me how to pay attention or gave me the opportunity to practice. Now, when we do that, because mindfulness is all about keeping your attention in the present moment, when we do that, we gain awareness of our thoughts and the thoughts that cause all of the stress that we feel in our life, because we tend to blame a lot of outer things. We tend to say, this is causing me stress and this is causing me stress and that person stresses me out. But when you really think about it, what starts the stress response in our body is our thoughts about what's happening. And with mindfulness, it teaches us that there are two main kinds of thoughts that can cause us to feel the stress in our body, the ones where we replay the past something that's already happened. And we think about it over and over and over again. This could be a difficult conversation. This could be a, a difficult life event that happened without even realizing it. We do rewind those thoughts. And with that, with the thought, we have the body response to go with it.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, do you, can you relate to that?
0: Of course. I I think that just the idea of of being told, pay attention and focus more, right, is something that I've always had to struggle with because I have this kind of process of thinking about things like 10 steps ahead. So I'm never right in the moment. And just the, the the word choice of mindfulness is it really impacts me because I always talk about not living so much in the future and not uh being tied to your past and being connected to your 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 current moment and appreciating the moment, but we never really I never really knew how much mindfulness had to do with that. So right. if, if if we were um if I were one of your clients or one of your students, right? what would be one of the the initial exercises or initial conversations that we would have?
1: Well, the initial conversation would be that our thoughts cause the the stress response in our body Mm -hmm. and that our thoughts come from two places, which is the past where we replay things that have already happened. And then the other places where in the future where we worry or our dialogue in our mind when we worry is what if? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen and I really wanted to? When we're caught what ifing? Do you know what the main emotions associated with that are? Nervousness, anxiety, and fear. If you're caught in one of those emotions, it's because your thoughts are into the future. And that's where your attention is lying. And then the ones that are associated with the past thoughts are more anger, sadness, and resentment. If you're caught in those emotions, that's because the thought that you are, you are entertaining in that moment is from the past. So when the first thing I like to teach is, let's see where our thoughts come from and know that we can spend more time in the present moment where 95 to 98% of the time, everything's okay. And, and people say, well, why is the present moment so great? And why would we want to keep our attention there? And well, let's just open to this moment right now, Kyle, mm-hmm. here you and I are sitting In our spaces and in this moment if we open to it fully are we safe right now are you warm enough right now have you had something to eat today are you cared for by someone in this moment see in this moment for me it feels okay what about for you
0: it does it it I resonate a lot with what you're saying, because even, you know, I'm not a very, I love conversation. And, and I always say, if I could meet a hundred people a day, it wouldn't be enough. Right. But I still get that. What if uh, thought, right. What if the person isn't receptive? What if I don't come up with questions uh, quick enough? What if, uh, you know, something falls in the background and the audio gets messed up? What if it doesn't record what, you know, we, we think of all of these what ifs, but, the mindfulness of the, of the current and just being able to flow in the rhythm of the conversation or the rhythm of the moment always kind of relaxes me.
1: Right. And then when we notice that, when you notice that those what-ifs are there, those negative what-ifs, you can change it to the what-ifs, positive what-ifs. What if it goes amazing? Yeah. What if the conversation flows? What if there's no effort? It's just with ease, and and to trust that. And so when we when we look at taking those negatives and first of all building that awareness and and knowing that that oh that's just a past thought no that's just a future thought and then choosing to consciously bring our attention back to the present moment we then have a choice. We can use some tools to get ourselves back there to self-regulate our body to Replace the negative thoughts with a more positive, uplifting, supportive, empowering thought, just like those positive what-ifs. And then we gain control and we are empowered to help us feel happier, more peaceful, calmer, more relaxed.
0: I would always wonder, because I'm just starting into this uh, kind of foray of helping others and illuminating others and, and trying to live in, in my life and in my, in my fullest life and in my full purpose. Um, I always ask people that do what you do and just from the little bit that we've been talking, I can tell that you do it really well. I always wonder where you get the superpower from, right? Um, is it the, the conventional training? Is it you know the coursework? Or is it something just innate? Or is it something in your past that, that kind of fuels that?
1: For me, Kyle, I started my journey thinking that I needed to fill myself with knowledge. Where do I go now? And I actually, I actually went to New York and I trained three summers in a row. Took a little mindful-based stress reduction, mindful teaching, everything I could possibly get my hands on. And I was just trying to fill myself up with knowledge until someone said to me, you know what, the next step is to do a seven day mindfulness retreat in silence. (laughs) I laughed and went, you're kidding me, right? That's what I should do next. And I said, if you haven't ever done that, you need to experience that. You are going to gain wisdom and just this sense of confidence and peace that'll come from that. Go ahead and try it. So that was the year I started a yearly seven day mindfulness retreat. And I can't tell you what that did for me. Yeah, it for sure. opened up a space where I could get out of my head and into my heart. And I, I mean, that that actually was on retreat one year that I wrote my children's book, my for, for a mindfulness book for children. It just poured out of me. It was during those moments of, of stillness where all of that wisdom came through and it became me talking from my heart rather than from my head. It came from me not having to remember things, but just trusting and knowing that it was here and giving a platform like you're giving today that I just trust that everything that needs to come forward
0: will. I absolutely love that idea, right? Even in this moment, um, of course, you guys that are listening can't see me, but even in this moment, I have a pen, and I have notes that I'm taking, and I kind of want to put it down because I'm so in my head about, okay, let's, let's cover all the bases instead of just having the heart of the conversation flow out. Um, when you're talking to a, a client or a patient, um, how do you differentiate, right? Um, when it's time to enact the clinical, logistic, kind of logical uh, tools, and when it's time to just let it organically flow from, from the spirit?
1: I think for me, it's a feeling. Okay. It, it's a feeling that I, I can tell when they're ready. I can tell when they're receptive um, or whether they want the science behind it which <laughs> I've read all of the science books around the mindfulness. But you know what I like to say, Kyle? I like to say that I don't need to have to know the exact workings of the heart in order to feel love.
0: Wow. Unpack that a little bit. What, what, do, what do you mean by that?
1: So the science behind mindfulness is this is the brain, and this is what happens when we have a thought, our amygdala activates, and then following that, cortisol is sent into the body and adrenaline comes in, and this is what the, pre, you know, all the parts of the brain, and this is their, you know, the the forebrain, when we get into a stressful situation, we have a thought, and then, you know, all of um, the stress comes into our body and a difficult emotion comes in, and... And then this happens. And so there's all the science behind that. And then there's just the feeling and just, this is how you get present. And I, when I talk to a group of people, I want them or just a single person, I want them to have an experience, right? Yes. So it's like, you know, you can know the work of the heart and then you can feel love you can know the work of mindfulness, and then you can feel present. Wow!
0: Yeah, I'm going to steal from Oprah uh, for a second and say that's an aha moment. <laughs> I, 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 I wonder. I was talking again to this person yesterday about mental health, and we were talking about um, the technical side of it, and both uh, the technical side of it and the necessity for more mental health agents. Right. We were talking about um, CBT, um, cognitive behavior uh, training therapy. And uh, one of the things is that we will never have enough uh, CBT um, agents or, or therapists for as many people that need it in this country, right? So how do you, with your, uh, with the EFT and maybe explain a little bit more with what you do with EFT, how, how do you, how would you suggest uh, people kind of train for that or get into that realm? Cause we need it so much, right?
1: Right. So when it comes to um, training to be able to teach it or.
0: Exactly. Training. Yeah. yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people don't know the, they think it's just. Fraser, right? They think it's just someone sitting, you know, on a couch and listening to you talk. They don't know that there are a lot of technical routes that people can take.
1: Right. And well, for me, and what I've always been told is to begin the practice for yourself first. Yeah. Um, yeah. People say, you know, I could tell you about a bubble. I could, I could explain it. I, or, you know, but if you actually see a bubble or I could tell you all about honey and this is what honey looks like. This is what it tastes like. This is the consistency. But until you actually take that honey and put it in your mouth and feel it and, and really take it in, it's kind of like that. And, and I could tell you how to swim, but until you get into the water and you feel what it feels like to glide through those through the water, it, you can't know the power of it. So for me, what I tell people first, take six months, take six months and create a mindfulness practice for yourself to see if that's, that's something that you resonate with and, and, and to really give it a, a chance to get to know it and to feel what it does for you. Yeah. Um, so that's what I always say to even the teachers that I work with who are bringing these tools into the classroom the first time I meet with them, we talk about ourselves. We don't talk about, now you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this, do this, this." that comes after. And I didn't quite understand that at first. I'm like, I traveled all the way to New York, I went to a training, I sat there, and at the end of the training, it was all about us. It was all about using these tools for us. And then they said, oh, we're not giving you the curriculum. Mm -hmm. I traveled all this way, give me that curriculum so I could get going to my classroom. They said, you take the next year, and then we'll talk. Wow. And I didn't get it until I actually did that. And so for for me, that's, that's the biggest advice that I could tell anybody who would love to get into this. Mm-hmm. Take some time to train your own muscle. Because it, with mindfulness, it's more about not giving the information, it's about passing the information on. Sometimes with no words.
0: That's good.
1: I'm going to share something with you. I use a little visual. Now I know you can't see me right now. Kyle can see me, but while we tape this, but I have a little jar with some sparkles and water in it. Now the sparkles are a representation of our past thoughts, our future thoughts, and all the difficult emotions that go along with it. When we're caught in a stressful thought or a difficult emotion, it's like someone shook the jar. And the glitter, the sparkles are moving all over the place. Now, this is stress in our minds and in our bodies. We can't focus, we can't have authentic conversations, we can't see clearly and be present with those around us. Now, if we just stop and just take a couple of minutes to just do absolutely nothing, what begins to happen is our thoughts begin to settle, but so do our bodies. And sometimes when people have an experience just doing this once, that's a life changer for them. Wow! And just stopping and taking a break. And that's so beneficial, not only for the health and wellness of our minds, but for the health and wellness of our bodies. That's that present moment. That's what the present moment looks and feels like.
0: It's so incredible. It's so amazing. I <laughs> rarely uh, do you get to be in the presence of someone that is uh, really, really good. And when you're in the presence of someone that's really, really good at what you do, what they do, you feel it. It's palpable, and that moment right there was just—it's still running through my body right now. Um, thank you for that, Trina. I, I I love you for that. Thank you. Um, I want to. Wow, that was great. I want to um, ask. When someone comes in to your office or someone, you know, Zooms you or someone um, initiates a meeting, what should they be bringing to the table? If anything, some people um, say you have to have some sort of uh, awareness or some sort of kind of back knowledge, or, or they want you to bring some traumas or some type of past to the table so we can dissect it or have a kind of clear understanding of of something. Is there anything, any type of pre-thought that they should have before coming to you?
1: For me, what I ask people to bring is an open mind and a willingness to heal. If they're not ready to, or there's even a little opening there of being ready to to do a little um, soul searching, not even so much that they need to share it with me because some people are just not ready or, or they're you know just close to it for a while, uh, but just a willingness to want to heal and to want to learn these tools. And when that happens, sometimes you have to get to that breaking point. You have to get to the point where um, <laughs> they say, the, what is that, where the, it, the, the glass has to crack or the window has to crack in order for the light to get through. Yeah. There has to be that, that wanting to heal before the tools really resonate 100%. And when that happens, then they're open. And sometimes, because the information isn't really enough. The power is really in the practice. And with that, there's an intrinsic motivation. It needs to come from within. It can't be somebody else telling you to do it um, because it won't, it probably won't work for you. But when, when you begin to say, you know what, I do believe that I can heal. I'm open to doing everything I can for it. And even if it just takes 10 minutes a day to begin to practice these mindfulness tools and be able to train my brain to pay attention so I can notice those stressful thoughts when they come in and choose to do something about it. So I can self-regulate and bring more relaxation into my body on a regular basis. That's when the healing begins mm-hmm.
0: is there any person that you would turn away right what what does the turn away look like because sometimes i um like you said some people aren't ready so what does that look like to not be ready because i feel like a lot of people um are either at either extreme, right? They're so gung-ho to enter a process or they're so reluctant. So I kind of want to get that idea of what what it looks like to be not ready and to be like, okay, you need some, you you really need this.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, what I love is when I get to go into a a conference and people are forced to sit there and listen to me for the first time. When I go into conferences and they have to sign up, I get a completely different audience, but when I keynote events, they have to listen to me. And I find sometimes the people who need it the most are the ones that will never sign up for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So then i am they're forced to listen to me. And then, you know, I get people walking up to me after and going, oh my goodness, I never would have signed up for that, but oh, you were speaking right to me. Or I needed this so badly. Or I never knew I have control over how I feel. Yeah. And so if somebody comes to see me in a one-on-one situation and I kind of feel that there's a little resistance to it, what I do is I treat it as an informational session. So I will go through several different mindfulness tools that they can use on a regular basis, and I just tell them about it. And then I'll just invite them to try some of them. Give it a try. Give it a try for five or six days and see how
0: you feel after that.
1: And sometimes that's all it takes. It's
0: so incredible. I think a lot of times, and that, again, there's so many, been so many um, shifting moments in this conversation already for me. Um, a lot of times I've been taught to teach through... Um, pugnacious um mannerisms right just like get it like get, do do with the work like get up stop being lazy da, 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 da. And, and sometimes people are not receptive to that type of of teaching and that type of um instruction but i love the idea of just inviting people to try it and if it works it works and obviously you know that most of the time that it works yes. yeah
1: I know what you feel, Kyle, because I actually have a family member who was going through a health scare recently, Mm -hmm. and so I invited her to go ahead and, and try some of the tools that I teach using the app that I have, and I said, you know, just go ahead, and or maybe you want to get together with me, and we'll just sit for a few minutes, and we'll use these tools, and she kind of shook her head and said, nah. And then um, it was actually the following day, she gave me a phone call first thing in the morning and she, she was crying. And she said, Trina, I was in so much pain last night that I didn't know what to do with myself. She said, I finally got to the point where I was in so much pain. I was crying. I didn't know what was happening to my body. And I just started to use the tools. And she said, literally within 10 minutes, the pain began to subside. And I knew that I had control over, over not, not so much the pain, but the, the layers of suffering that I was putting onto the pain with the thoughts that I was thinking, like, what's happening to me? This shouldn't be happening. What if? What if? And that whole layer of pain completely dissolved.
0: Yeah.
1: That saved me last night. Wow. And I, I got emotional too because I invited her to try it and then I just had to let go. I just thought, this is your journey. If it, if it means that you need to go through these difficult times, you will. And that's part of your journey. And I trust that. My difficult times opened things for me that I never would have learned about. So sometimes as much as I want to say, do it, do it. You need to practice so easy. Just do it. You're going to feel better. I think that's my biggest struggle is that i just have to back away i can give my message i'm here if you need me let me know if you need anything i'm always here to support you and then i need to back away so that i can focus and keep keep my attention on my own wellness
0: i always have the question of especially when I speak to people who have taken on the mantle of helping others as their purpose, even though I think all purpose is helping others, people who are specifically um, working to help others on a day-to-day basis. um, I always ask who heals the healer, right? So who does Trina turn to when she is uh, under a stressful moment, or is it just a matter of self-work?
1: Oh, Kyle, <laughs> especially when COVID started, my very busy spring schedule went completely blank yeah. because yeah. I was doing all my things in person. And it, it, it went from busy to nothing. And I mean, that's how I make my living. So I I don't know where I would have been if I didn't use the tools that I had. And I was on a daily basis. When a difficult emotion would come up, I was going to use tapping to, to help myself. When, when a difficult emotion arose, I use mindfulness to be able to notice that it was there. And instead of pushing that difficult emotion away to open to it fully and be there. I mean, I, I am definitely someone who walks my talk. And I think that, For me, that's the number one way to prepare for anything is to, you know, I can't be stressed out and teach people about stress reduction. It's not going to, it's not going to happen. It's again, it's that jar that, I mean, if I'm feeling all stressed and I I have a session with somebody or walk onto a stage, if I'm feeling that way, they're going to feel it. Mm -hmm. I even had a, um, I'll tell you a quick little story about one of my students. We used to make these little mindful jars with the sparkles and the water in it and in my classroom, and then I would send them home. A few weeks later, one of the parents contacted me, and she said, Trina, I need to share something with you. She said, I have a very busy job. I I work in corporate. It's very busy. It's very stressful. And she said, one day, I came home from work. I walked into my house. I never said a word. My daughter was standing there. She looked at me. She ran to her room. She got her little mindful jar. She came in. She shook it in front of me, and she said, Mom, you're always like this.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: And then she said, as the sparkles began to settle, she said, I want you to be like this. Because the people around us can feel that from us.
0: That's so powerful. Our,
1: yeah, our family members, our colleagues, even if we have children, they can feel that. And and so it's more of a, an emitting a a presence that, that will allow people to say, you know, I really like the way I feel when I'm around that person. I like the conversations we have. It's authentic, it's real. And, and we can feel that. I remember feeling this from one of my son's teachers. There was something special about her and it wasn't until later that I learned that she had a 25-year mindfulness practice. Wow. Went, Kyle, when you spoke to her, it was like you were the only one on earth is beautiful
0: i so i'll I'll tell you this Trina. i struggle with that a lot right um and i know a lot of people that i talk to struggle with that a lot because for me i can't speak for those people but for me i'm so in my own head about like i said getting the questions right or um making sure that i'm doing all of the quote-unquote things um that are right in conversations, making sure the conversation flows well and flows properly, right? And um, like a dancer, like making sure the one, two, three, a, one, two, three, all that stuff, right? Um, so, in conversation, right? Just just one example. In conversation, how do you personally stop all of the 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 sparkles from flowing around? How do you calm down and? make it feel like I'm the, cause I feel it right now. I feel like the world is just quiet and silent and it's just me and you. How do you do that?
1: So for me, what I'm doing right now, and one of the tools that I teach is to use your breath to anchor your attention in the present moment. So as I talk to you, instead of being worried about what I'm going to say next, which a lot of people do, they're already formulating the next sentence before you've even stopped talking. So instead of doing that, I'm trying to stay very grounded in my body and I'm putting my attention on my breathing Mm. while I listen to you. And so every breath we take is present. So for me, my breath anchors me into the present moment. And it's almost like an anchor on a boat, when i when i want to stay in this beautiful space on the lake i'll throw my anchor over right and so even if my boat floats this way it'll bring me back and if it floats to the right it'll bring me back that's what our breath does for our attention and for our thoughts if i get caught in past reliving past thoughts and and replaying those events over and over in my head and then i put my attention on my breathing it puts me right back into the present moment. It just, pu- it almost pulls my boat over, right? And if, I, if I'm worrying or what ifing or thinking what I'm gonna say next, and then I just put part, even just part of my attention on my breathing, it just brings me back. And now I even put this word on my license plate. I have the word that's one breath. And people said, why did you put the word one breath on your license plate? And I say, well, what are you gonna do when you see it? And they said, well, take a breath. I said, "Well, you probably were already breathing as you were driving, but now your attention is on your breath. You're when you're thinking about your breath, you let go of the past and future thoughts that you might have been caught in. Because a lot of us drive um, caught in that <laughs> of past and future thinking. I mean, we drive on automatic pilot. Have you ever driven somewhere and you can't remember the trip?
0: Yeah, yeah." I mean,
1: Guilty, I've been there. So when that happens, when you put your attention on your breathing, just as you sit here and take that one conscious breath, or or a couple of conscious breaths, you have grounded yourself in the present moment. All of those thoughts that you're thinking can just begin to settle, and you might even feel a more relaxed feeling in your body just by doing that. And sometimes, I mean, this is where the practice comes in. The power is in the practice. Taking a breath before you open that email. Right, one conscious breath as you shut off the ignition of your car. Just sit there and just take a breath. Right, spending a few minutes to to do a, a bit of a, a breath meditation or or a mindfulness uh, breath exercise to be able to train ourselves to use that. That's such a simple tool. I mean, my breath is my best friend. It's there all the time. It's there to relax me, and then also moving the air from up here in our chest where. Whenever we're caught in a stress response, that's where the breath is. It's way up in our chest. To move it down into our abdomen, where we almost feel like there's a balloon in our breath or in our abdomen. And when we take a breath in, it's a it's this expanding of our abdomen. And then when we let the air out, it's more of a deflating of our abdomen. Now, when we do that, and this is the first thing I learned in a stress reduction center, that is a more... Lower, slower, deeper breath that'll help to melt away the stress from our body. The stress responses begin to dissipate when we move our attention into our breath. And notice if you're trying it right now, breathing into your belly instead of up here in your chest, you have to be thinking about it because not a lot of us breathe that way automatically.
0: Yeah. How do you... My one question with that is, and it just might be, again, my what-if mind, uh, how do you keep yourself from drifting totally away or from visually uh, letting on that you're focusing on the breath and not on the person, right? Because I tend to, it's harder on Zoom, obviously, but you know when I'm in a conversation, Uh, in person I'm like dead center eyes I'm looking at the like little highlights and I'm looking at the you know eyebrow inflections and all that stuff and I'm taking in mental notes how do you keep from just like relaxing yourself to the point of being you know
1: 20 notes (laughs) (laughs) So I would make this because the more you practice it, the more automatic it becomes. And then it just becomes something that you naturally do as you have conversations with people. So I would take a little bit of time in the morning to just focus on my breath for, um, you know, five or five or six minutes, just, or two, even two minutes, Kyle, it begins to, um, as you strengthen that little pathway for paying attention it becomes more automatic that you're just going to check in every once in a while to see where your attention is. And then you'll use your breath as a tool to keep you grounded in the present moment. So you don't necessarily have to be, you know, only focusing on your breath. And like I said, it's a portion of your attention. Maybe just part of your attention is on your breathing as you're listening to someone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because of course you have to be able to, I mean, I was a classroom teacher. I had to be able to uh, manage and, Uh, micromanage a lot of things all at once when I had 25 kids in front of me. So there was little times that were specifically built into the day where we can just, you know, take a a few minutes to really strengthen that pathway. And then it becomes more automatic. And you'll begin to feel it as, as you begin to practice it a little bit more. It's like building a muscle. It's like, if I'm going to want to build my bicep, I'm going to be doing some push-ups, you know, or I'm going to be, you know, some curl-ups. I'm going to be strengthening that muscle. And so it's kind of like the same
0: thing. I want to ask, um, because I know after listening to this, there are going to be a lot of people that um, want to connect with you and want to um, see you shake that that, uh, that jar especially how relaxed I am right now. Right. Um, What do you uh, specifically work on? Who do you specifically work with? Right. Like for me, I would love to, you know, talk to you about public speaking because you're just the, the flow and rhythm of your speech is so amazing. Right. What services do you exactly offer and to who?
1: Okay. Well, Honestly, Kyle, I will talk to anybody who will listen. (laughs) I tailor my presentations to the age group. I have been in pre-K classrooms with little three-year-olds, and that's when I bring out the stuffy. We practice belly breathing, and I I share my book, which is called Good Morning Sunshine, A Story of Mindfulness, which teaches children and their parents tools, uh, six resilience tools that they could use when they are feeling stressed. And it does explain a little bit about where we could put our attention Um, so that that's, I mean, I have been in the younger classrooms. And then I have spoken to corporate companies too, because we know that stress is one of the main reasons for employee absenteeism, right? We know when stress comes in that it also, Illness comes in because when our body feels that stress response all the time, that's when illness shows up and a host of different things happen in our body. When we feel that way, when we live with that chronic stress. And so, you know, corporations call me and, and, and businesses and organizations. And I work a lot with sports teams because they want to use these tools. I mean, they want to walk onto the field or the ice or the court. They want to walk on there presently when you know with their sparkles settled with their thoughts settled in that zone of their peak performance um high school students i i love working with high school students because they're feeling the pressures and the 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 peer pressures the the pressures from social media which has added another layer onto it and they they're looking for tools so it's really anybody who you know who 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 now who wants to who is open to hearing that message or wanting to bring that message into their organization or their their home. And then I also do private sessions with with people one on one or family sessions. If you want to, you know, a bunch of you to get around the the, the computer, we could do a Zoom session to to share this with more people. Yeah. And 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 then I also incorporated, well actually I created an app that came out that like you said, there's not enough therapists to help. We are going through such a uh, unchartered territory right now. And that on top of everything else that we were going through last year, I mean, it's just compounded the stress on top of us from financial stresses to, to family situations and, 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 and just the uncertainty of everything that we're going through right now. So I created, even before COVID happened, and I'll tell you, it came out at the perfect time. I created an app called Release. That incorporates mindfulness and something else I teach, which is called—we haven't got to—is EFT tapping, which is a tool to help decrease difficult the intensity of difficult emotions in a short amount of time. And it's just like I said, it's a, for me. I feel that mindfulness and tapping together are most superpowers. So I created an app that can be that little wellness tool on our phone in our pocket that we can bring out whenever we need to and i actually had somebody contact me last night or sorry this morning this morning about something that happened last night their child who was in high school had a panic attack last night and they had my have my app the child came into their bedroom very upset full panic attack, anxiety there. I can't go to school tomorrow. What if something happens? Just caught in it. Just no, you know, no tools at that moment. The parent reached for the phone and went to the exercise on the app that's called releasing panic and anxiety. She said almost immediately when the the guided exercise, a very calming guided exercise started, um, her daughter began to calm down. She said her breathing changed within a matter of minutes. Her whole self in that, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack, but I have and it's terrible. And it was right there, it was big, it kind of, you know, it, instead of being aware of the emotion, she was completely overtaken by the emotion. And at that point, all the, the blood moves from our forebrain and goes into that fight or flight response and it's difficult. She said within a few minutes, she was completely calm. Wow. Said, uh, you know, she said, do you want to crawl in here with me? You know, do you want to crawl into bed with me? You can sleep here with me tonight. She said, no, mom, I'm okay. I'm going to go back to my own bed. She said she woke up this morning mm-hmm. confident, feeling relaxed and happy to go to school. So for me, this release app with categories for adults, teens, Kids, uh, there's a classroom component for teachers. Tell your mom about it, Kyle. <laughs> there's a classroom component. It's awesome. Um, I used to use the same same kind of little guided exercises to relax in my class, and now that I I love that it's here. And it was actually some teenagers that I was working with. It was there idea for me to put it as an app because i was texting them little guided audios to calm them down and get them ready before a test or or any kind of um stressful situation in their life and i was sending them and i had 68 football players i was working with so that was a lot of texting and i was and then they said why don't you just create an app and we'll come to you and i'm like oh my goodness, like fantastic so it helps Parents, kids, teens, half of the app is mindfulness exercises that will help calm you down and train that focus. The other half of the app are EFT tapping exercises that just by simply sorry, tapping on acupressure points on our body. Did you know that there are just some simple little acupressure points on our body that when you apply pressure to them, they send a signal to your brain, to the amygdala, which is the stress center of your brain, that when you have a stressful thought, the amygdala activates, and your body goes into that stress response. But if we're gently applying pressure to these acupressure points on our body, it begins to send the signal for the amygdala to calm down. Cortisol stops being released into the body, and we begin to go into that more relaxed state the um, intensity of the emotion that we were feeling greatly decreases in a small amount of time. It's amazing.
0: Wow. And, and uh, I got to go download this now. Um, it's all on the app, all of your, yes. okay. And if they wanted to reach out to you personally, um, could they do that or, or would you rather people just go through the app?
1: Well, I, again, I do offer one-on-one sessions with people, so they could always contact me through my Instagram at present moment living, and um, everything is. I do have on the app. I have a little video that says what is tapping, a little video that says what is mindfulness to really take people through it, so that they have a you know there's a there's a bit of a an educational part of it too that can teach them you know what it what it does for you. And then there are guided exercises. So if you're feeling angry in that moment, we know that anger is associated with a with a past thought. We know that when we hold on to anger, it's not hurting anybody else, it's just hurting us. So why are we choosing to hold on to that? We don't have to be angry at somebody for a day or for a year or for 10 years. We don't have to hold that in our body because we know that anger is, is associated With illness, we know that we are we know now that 85% of all of our illnesses have an emotional component to that. So I choose to process the anger instead of holding on to it, instead of resisting it and thinking it'll go away. It's almost like pushing a beach ball under the water, (laughs) really not going anywhere. It's going to resurface at some point. And people who lose their temper, they're not even aware they're angry. So practicing these tools helps us to be aware of our emotions and then choose to decrease the intensity of the emotion so we don't have to hold it anymore. And it doesn't mean that that we can't, um, you know, that we don't choose to, you know, we might not choose to spend time with someone who triggers that in us, but we're not going to hold it anymore. And it empowers us to, to feel more calm and happy and more peaceful and relaxed and, and and just to be more present in our lives. Wow,
0: Trina, we always say here finding good times. The purpose is never personal. Um, that might be it. Might be um, kind of obvious. We always ask if you took yourself out of what you do, then what's your purpose? Uh, but that is kind of you know obvious in what you do because it is so serving of of the people around you. Uh, so I want to instead shape the question: um, What is one thing that you or, or, rather, what is one moment that you can remember where you've helped someone out and it just was kind of this overwhelming feeling of happiness? Right? Can you can you remember a moment where it was just like, "Wow, that person just got it."
1: Yeah. I think it would have to be one of the moments where I was working with someone who was going through anxiety and depression. And when she got to the core of where the depression and the anxiety came from in the first place, it had to do, because usually there's a core, there's a core event or there's a core limiting belief that we hold about ourselves. She got to the place where she was able to identify that core. And she was able to knock it off by using the EFT tapping. It was a moment where she felt not good enough. That so many people resonate with not feeling good enough. And it was actually brought on by an uncle of hers that just, you know, it. she just always felt that when she was around him because there was a lot of a comparison between her and her other cousins. And, When she came to that realization, that's what it was. And we were able to use EFT tapping to tap on all her emotions around that, that she felt the disappointment, the the anger that she felt, and the number went down. And when that person said, I am good enough. Oh, I am good enough. It was like the crumbling of a belief that was not serving her. And it was like, I am good enough. And, and so when we begin to practice tools like that, we can become aware of those little limiting thoughts that turn into limiting beliefs, where we begin to, I mean, we act from those beliefs. We make decisions from those beliefs. It rules us. And then when we become aware of them and say, wow, I just wait, is that true and what can i do to get knock that limiting belief off so it doesn't have that control over me and my happiness wow so for me when when i can see that happen and and see how they became empowered and free from something that was holding them back from living their best life there's nothing greater than that
0: my heart is so full right now i'm Literally, and I'm not much of a crier, but um, I'm holding back tears right now because this whole conversation has been so shifting and so beautiful and so calming and affirming, really. Um, You have such a light uh, around you and inside of you and what you do is so important and such an imperative And I wanna stop and and tell you thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for working in your purpose and and living in your purpose, because like we say, we really need it. And it is something that just in this hour, I have, my heart has really been transformed by you. And I wanna say thank you so much, Trina.
1: Thank you, Kyle for this platform and if it helps one person, it's worth
0: it. Thank you so much. Um, Guys, please, please follow her. Um, I will link all of the, the necessary info in the bio and I pray to God that this is not the last time that you hear from uh trina on this platform i de- this definitely not going to be the last time i hear from her because i'm just going to be throwing money at her i need her, i need i need <laughs> as much as possible i have one more question before we go okay uh, what is if there is any what is the connection with mental health work and and your spirit for you oh
1: with mental health health work for
0: me well, mental in anyone. What's the connection between mental health and, and spiritual work? If there's any for you,
1: for me, it's it's one and the same. Mm. I, I I believe that that our spirit is part of our mental health. Yeah, and for me, they're 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 one and the same. Yeah, mm. yeah. I love that. It's the heart. It's the heart and the mind. It's it's getting out of the mind. <laughs> Even though we call it mental health, it's more about for me getting out of my mind and getting into my heart and living my life from there. Wow. Yeah.
0: God bless you. You have such a spirit of pulchritude. And, and I could go on and on, and I will go on and on in describing this episode and telling people about this because this has been absolutely incredible. I love you so much, Trina. Thank you so much. Uh, Good people. Y'all stay put. Um, I got some business to handle with y'all. Trina, stay put. We'll talk after this. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for this conversation. All right, guys. Talk to you in a bit. How beautiful was that? How amazing was that? Listen, I get to talk to a lot of people through this podcast, and I've met a lot of people through uh, finding good times, but Trina has been one of the best, y'all. I've never... I've had like super funny interviews, right? I've had super deep interviews. I've had super crazy interviews, interviews that are all up and down, right? (laughs) I've had interviews that put me to sleep from boredom, (laughs) right? But um, I have never felt so at peace in an interview or a conversation I should say, or a session really, it was just great and and just like i said in the beginning ineffable um i'm gonna listen to this again and again and again so i could recapture this feeling oh man (laughs) until next time come on let's say it think good see good do good but most importantly be good peace Good people, don't forget to follow Finding Good Times at Finding Good Times on all platforms, at Finding Good Times on all available platforms. And of course, findinggoodtimes.com. Keep following, keep sharing, keep reposting. Most importantly, keep being good. Love y'all.